by a quick show of hands here and also in the online common feed, you can do a little, little handy thing in there. How many of you have heard this story before, this scripture reading today before? Yeah, as far as well-known Bible stories go, it you know it ranks pretty high up there, right? I even asked my 10-year-old kiddo if she knew this story, and she looked at me and, as typical, rolled her eyes and said, of course I do. Moses was walking away, I don't know why, and he saw a bush on fire, and he heard a voice, and he thinks he's going crazy, so he goes over to look closer at it, and it's God telling him to help his people Voila. That is a direct quote. When I asked her what the point of this story was, she had a harder time answering that question. And I think that's true for most, if not all of us. We can tell this story, but we don't always know what the point of it is. And we get really good as people of faith sharing these stories that seem fantastic and out of the ordinary, supernatural miracles, but we have a tendency to not be quite as good at sharing the why. Or maybe we're less good at sharing the less extraordinary moments that answer the question, how did we get here? So I want to step into this call story of Moses today, and that's what this is. This is a call story. And today I want to challenge you all to hear this story differently than we usually do. So we'll start at verse 1 of Exodus 3. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. Anna Carter Florence, professor at Columbia Theological Seminary in Decatur, Georgia, she said this first verse packs such a punch. It gives us the person, Moses, the setting, Midian, And she is that professor who once taught me to focus on the verbs and not the nouns in scripture. And in this first verse, these verbs matter so much more than the nouns. She said the verb keeping can be translated or maybe better understood as maintaining. So the scene has been set for us here in Exodus 3. Moses is in the middle place in an ordinary time, and he is maintaining the sheep that belong to somebody else. But then if you continue on in this first verse, you'll notice that Moses makes a shift from keeping to leading. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. He stops keeping He leaves Midian, and he leads his flock beyond the wilderness. Now, Midian, the middle place, is not a place where very much happens. It's not a big city. It's kind of just a rural area. It's a place where when you think of big things happening, it happens beyond the wilderness. It doesn't happen in Midian. Now, I heard Dr. Carter Florence preach on this idea of beyond the wilderness in 2016, and I can still remember it. It was one of those sermons that sticks with you. She talked about wilderness being a place that is different for everyone, for each person, for each community. And to know what our wilderness is requires us to ask, what is it for you? And then in this text, it asks us to go straight into it, which is hard enough, but then to go beyond it. 
to push past the place that scares us or that might be hard or uncomfortable. Now Moses took his flock and left what he knew, what was easy, what was familiar, and he went beyond that to where he had never been before. What a start to this story. That is verse one. That's it. After he leaves Midian, Moses comes to Mount Horeb, or the mountain of God, and it is then that he sees the burning bush. He doesn't see that bush in Midian. He sees it beyond the wilderness. And I want to stay here just a moment because the rest of the story is the part we know. We know that out of the burning bush comes the voice of God. Thank you, Charlton Heston. And God tells Moses to go and save the people of God. We know that Moses is like, uh, how about no? And Moses said, who am I? Also, who are you? And then he says, well, what do I say? And then he says, well, what if they don't believe me? Moses is really good at excuses. And I could preach a whole sermon on just the excuses that Moses makes for why he is definitely the wrong person for this job, but we will save that sermon for another day. Now, after all his arguments are rendered useless, Moses finally relents, goes to Pharaoh, and says, let my people go. And the rest is history. We know this story. But I want to stay back at the beginning for a little bit, here at the burning bush. Because Moses sees this burning bush, and then listen what happens in verses 2 and 3. The bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. And Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. Again, Dr. Carter Florence says it is this moment, not the moment that Moses tells Pharaoh to let God's people go, but this moment where the exodus begins. I must turn aside and look. It means Moses had to stop what he was doing. He had to get off the path in front of him. He wanted to see why that bush was burning but not being consumed by the fire. He had to stop and look closer to do that. In verse 4, when the Lord saw that Moses had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush. When Moses turned to see, when he got up close, then God spoke to him out of the bush. I've had one question ringing in my head about this moment this week. What if Moses had missed it? What if he hadn't stopped to look? What if he was distracted or worried about what his father-in-law thought about the job he was doing? What if he was so far beyond where he'd ever been before and he was so scared and so far out of his comfort zone that he could just not imagine taking one more step off course? What if Moses had been looking at his phone and just kept on walking? What if he missed it? Again, we know this story, right? We know that Moses turned to look. We know that God called to Moses and told him to remove his sandals because this is holy ground, but he had to get there. He had to stop maintaining. He had to leave the middle place. He had to leave the place where things were easy and you just do what you've always done. He had to go beyond the wilderness 
And that is where he came to the mountain of God. And he had to step off the path. And then that is where God spoke to him. And then he found himself on holy ground. I don't know about you, but I hear this story and I am conflicted. Because I want to be on holy ground too. I took my shoes off this morning. I want to be on holy ground. I want to feel that holy ground under my feet. I want the burning bush and the voice of God and to have to take off my sandals because I know that where I'm standing is holy. But y'all, Midian is so much safer. And I, I like safety. I like keeping the flock right where it is safe. And you know what? It's a lot easier to do that too. The hard truth of this beautiful call story of Moses is that it makes us wonder how often are we too just maintaining? How often are we just doing what we need to do to keep things just as they are? Sure, the world out there is falling apart. People are fighting, states are on actual fire, and this pandemic continues to spread. But my day-to-day life isn't actually that bad if I just keep putting one foot in front of the other and keep my head down. I wonder how much we miss when we choose to stay in Midian. I wonder how often we miss the opportunity to stop and turn and look closer. To ask why. The Exodus story is a story of liberation, of people being set free, of God setting people free and using Moses to do it. Of God showing up on the side of the oppressed, not the oppressor. And for Moses to be a part of it, it required him to stop and look and ask why. Why is this bush burning and not being consumed? Now, Pharaoh never wants us to ask why. It's in Pharaoh's interest for Moses to stay quiet and keep the flock out there in Midian. Just do what you're paid to do, Moses. No need to get political. What might we ask today if we took a moment to stop and look and ask why? We might start to ask questions like, why is this pandemic disproportionately affecting low-income and Black and Indigenous people of color? Why are hurricanes getting stronger? Why is the suicide rate of LGBTQ kids and teens three times higher than those who aren't? Why does that number go up when they're a part of a church community? Why are there still kids in cages? Why have the rich gotten richer when so many people are losing their homes and their apartments? Why? You see, I get that it's easier to stay in Midian. It's easier to not go beyond the wilderness. The wilderness is hard and it's uncomfortable and it's easier to not stop and look or step off the path. It's easier to not ask why, but that is not what this story is about. This is a call story. And like Moses, we have been called. 
And like Moses, we are not called to maintain. Like Moses, we are called to liberate, to love, to set people free today, right now. This is hard work. And it's going to be uncomfortable, like really uncomfortable. Not momentary uncomfortable, but like a long time of being uncomfortable. And it's going to be painful. It takes such courage to leave Midian, to go through the wilderness, to take the time to stop and look and ask why. But when you do it, it is holy ground. It brings us right to the place where God speaks and we listen and what comes out of the interaction is not turning around and going back to Midian, but going to Pharaoh and demanding liberation for the people who are suffering on account of their oppressors. Anything else is just maintaining. I don't know about you, but I'm kind of done with maintaining. I'm really done with maintaining. We often say around here at Prince of Peace that God calls us and sends us. Today is no different. As this is a call story, it is also a sending story. This is how God works over and over and over again in scripture and in our lives. I have heard the cry of my people on account of their taskmasters. So come, I will send you. Liberation, the call of scripture, of the entirety of our Bible, is not found in Midian. No matter how much we wish it were, that is what we hear on this day. We hear the story of Moses being called and sent. And so are you. You have been called, each one of you, sitting in your chair, with your bare feet on the ground, in your living room, with your morning coffee. You have all been called. And you are now being sent by the God who liberates. If you still have your shoes off, wiggle your toes on the ground or in the grass. We are on holy ground today. The very obvious brokenness of the world feels like the wilderness place. It feels like it has exposed the ways in which the systems around us are hurting and have been hurting the people of God. We've maybe, maybe for the first time, taken the time to notice, to look closely, to ask why. God is calling out to us, to you, from this holy ground to say, I am sending you. And the question remains, what will you do? Amen.
So this morning, through the story of Moses, the familiar call story of Moses on Mount Horeb, we are reminded that we are called and sent. And not to keep our head down or not to just maintain, but to liberate and to be people who work and act in setting God's people free. So are you called and sent? So now go in peace to love and serve the Lord.